Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, a product of Talent 409. We are helping people discover their talent altitude. Each episode will bring you a conversation with people that display the seven pillars of dynamic leadership. Someone who possesses those seven pillars has courage, drive and accountability, integrity, grit, great communication skills, a high level of emotional intelligence, and they can motivate others. Have questions for me or a guest? Email me at colin at talent409.com and let's chat. That's colin, C-O-L-I-N, at talent, T-A-L-E-N-T, 409.com. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Radio.com, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. If you like the show and want to help us grow, please take a minute and on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. My guest on today's episode is Danny Fay. Danny plays for the Penn State Nittany Lions softball team. The rising junior came to Penn State after starring for Bangor High School, where she helped her team to a Sweet 16 appearance in her junior season and then the Final Four in her senior campaign. In high school, she was named first team All-State and now aspires to be a leader within the Lady Lions softball program. This is a conversation that you don't want to miss. So let's get into it. Here is my talk with Danny Fay. Welcome back to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. On today's episode, I have Danny Fay on the line with me. Danny, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Absolutely. I'm glad you're excited to be on and I'm excited to talk to you and learn a little bit more about what's going on in your life. So first, I'm going to give you an opportunity as I do with all of my guests to tell the listening audience, who are you? My name's Danny Fay, and I play softball at Penn State at main campus. I'm going to be a junior this year. I'm a broadcast journalism major and hoping to do a little bit more sports side of things as a career, either writing or in, journal, in a broadcast. You know, doing my thing here at Penn State and trying to get good grades and play some ball and make good memories along the way. So that's really all I have going for me right now. <laughs> Definitely a lot going on. I know you're busy even throughout the summer, even though it's quote unquote off season, taking some classes, living that college life. So definitely appreciate you taking time to hop on here today. And one of the first places I want to start this conversation is you mentioned, obviously, you're playing softball for the university and I want to talk a little bit more about your athletic journey and what sports were like for you growing up, like the impact that it had on you and ultimately how you got to this point playing softball at Penn State. Yeah, definitely. When I was young, softball was my number one sport that I went into like immediately. My mom played in high school. I also did soccer, track, track and field, cross country, just to stay in shape for softball mostly. So then I, around middle school, knew that I wanted to be a, a Division One softball player. So I 
kicked all the other sports to the curb and just focused on softball, joined a higher level tournament team in the area, played 18U as a a middle school or freshman. So I was trying to play up, play more at a higher level. And I definitely think that helped me a lot. And my mom pushed me to do that. So shout out to her. Um, (laughs) And then getting into high school, it was our high school softball team was very successful we were, my class was the one that really changed around the program. I went to Bangor High School. It's a tiny town in the Northeast Pennsylvania. It's about 200 kids in my class, but very lucky, very able to, able to like wear that Bangor Slater jersey and able to represent for four years and still going back and forth with uh, trying to support, trying to teach some kids at home. Go Around my junior year, I said, well, I'm not getting looks from the big division one schools that I wanted. So I'm going to make a support for my family. And I decided to make a switch to a bigger, uh, better uh, travel team called the Newtown rock. And it's based near like Philadelphia Bucks County. So when I joined that, I was, I got on the gold team right away. And they said, don't worry, like you're going to get recruited. You have talent. All you need is some exposure. So I was like, all right, perfect. So every Sunday I woke up at five 30 and drove an hour and a half south towards Philadelphia in my little Volvo all by myself, but practice for seven hours with the team and come back up. And obviously traveling, we went to all the Premier Girls Fats Pitch, which is PGF. That's the premier uh, tournament teams that are for softball. Uh, Not a lot of people know that, but I didn't know that until I joined. That program was really able to open my eyes up how fast the game is in college, how much more mental it is. Uh, like you have to be in it for so long and just the t- more tiny things like how can you see a screwball come out of a pitcher's hand better how can you get your bat into a better p- bat path faster and so, some small stuff like that and finally it was getting getting looks getting looks and my first uh, my first division one offer was LaSalle in Philadelphia so that was that was big because it was my first real big division one even though it's kind of small <laughs> But in the end, it went. It came down to Syracuse or Penn State. Penn State just made sense and made felt like home. The coaches are amazing here. Coach Tech, Amanda Lahotech, our head coach, is very homey, nurturing, and but also knows that you can. She's going to work you hard. She's going to push you in every aspect of your of your life, a student and an athlete. And I was really exactly what I was looking for. And I got to stay close to home. I'm only about two and a half hours away from home. So on the weekends I can go if I have a couple days in the summer or the fall where we don't have practice on Saturday and Sunday, being able to, for my family to come out too, just made sense. So being here was just a long ways up because I got recruited so late, but it was honestly a blessing being able to wake up one day and not have an offer from a very big division one school. And then by the end of the night, I had an offer from Penn State, and that was just that just blew my mind when that that day happened. But really happy to be here. Definitely made the right choice, and every day is just even if we're conditioning at six a.m. in the morning, just really happy to be here and being able to make a difference a little bit. Yeah, that's an awesome story, and you talked a lot about the sacrifices athletes make to not only get to the level where they're at now, but continue to maintain that level, right? You still have to make those sacrifices. They don't go away. You have to continue to work hard. Where did that work ethic for you come from? I mean, I think you talked about your mom pushing you a little bit and they 
parents obviously were athletes growing up, but where did that work ethic internally come from that said, Hey, I'm going to get up at five 30 on Sundays when everyone else I know is sleeping because I want to play division one softball. Definitely my high school coach, who was also at some point, my travel ball coach at a, at a lower level, U12 kind of level. And he pulled me aside after a, a game. I was upset with myself because I didn't hit like I want, I, like I usually hit. And he pulled me aside. He was like, you had one bad game. Are you kidding me? And he goes, you have so much potential. All you, He's like, and you're one of the hardest workers, the hardest working kids I've ever met. And all you have to do is tap into, as soon as your body taps into the talent that it is like holding, you're going to go places. And that was kind of like the thing. Because your mom and your dad can say, obviously they were very big supporters and saying, drink big, you can do whatever you can, whatever you put your mind to. Everyone's mom and dad said that. But the first time that someone told me, you are just on the, just scraping the surface of what you have as talent wise. And that was around 14 years old. So I, that was definitely when I was thinking about, okay, I want to play ball longer than just when I was in high school. But definitely some, some doubters were the motivators too, which is um, coming from a small town. No one ever thought I was going to make it. No one ever thought I was going to be big. I thought it was crazy at some point, being sacrificing, going out with my friends to the movies or anything like that and saying, no, I have to wake up. I have to go play softball tomorrow. And it just ended up them not even asking me anymore. But just a lot of sacrifices. And even still now, like you said, it's always happening and it's like, it does stink, but there's so much more reward to it here, being here and being able to be looked at as someone that made it from home and definitely a role model for younger girls or even younger boy athletes and my brother and my sister who are younger than me and being able to say, Hey, like no one ever thought I was going to do anything with this, but here I am. I love that. Such tenacity and focus in wanting to be a role model. I mean, those are all great attributes to have, especially when you're an athlete competing. Now, I think you mentioned that you started to specialize. What was it in high school is when you said you kicked the other sports to the curb? Yeah. Around freshman, freshman fall, I I found out that uh, I didn't want to do soccer or track or or cross country anymore because my body was simply uh, needed more attention to one sport and not, I didn't, I didn't want to have an injury that would cost me a softball career. So so that was something internally where you said, hey, this sacrifice, playing multiple sports at this point in my life might not be worth it anymore. Was it still difficult even knowing that you were doing it for the betterment of your career in the future? Was it still difficult to get away from the other sports or did you find that your body did feel better, that you were able to put that time in? I mean, I think around that age is when you should start thinking about specializing, if you do have a chance to make it to that next level, I think that's right around that age where it should be a serious conversation. But I'm curious from your perspective, what the reaction to quitting the other sports was like, because I think it's different for everyone. Well, I, I'm in love with softball since day one. So kicking the other, uh, the other sports to the side was not an issue for me because I knew that I could focus my my free time once I was done with those sports to softball in the gym, in the cages, outside, more practice. And even like mentally being able to take away the other skills I had to focus on to be better at my other sports, I was able to just focus on softball and 
spend more time on it. And it was a no brainer for me when I got around my freshman year because I remember playing, going to preseason for soccer. And I was like, I don't even like soccer that much. <laughs> but I can run forever and ever and ever and lift how much, how many times a week if I know that I'm working to be a better softball player. That's definitely what pushed me to say, hey, like, I don't even need these sports anymore. I just want to be the best softball player that I can be. Awesome. So your high school career then, I think this is your senior year. So definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but you make all state first team in high school, your senior season, you lead the team in batting average, slugging percentage, on-base percentage, home runs, RBIs. You also won two district championships. I think I read that you made it to the Sweet 16 in the Final Four. ton of success. How did that translate to the collegiate level? Like having all that success, you hear about it all the time from athletes where you were the best player on your team in high school, and then you come into a college setting and everybody was the best player on their high school team. What was that like for you? Like I said earlier, this actually wasn't very hard for me because when I was coming in, like I said earlier, I'm from a very small town, very small high school. And we were, once we were getting into States and everything, it was the real deal. So I didn't get to play on Penn State's field as a high schooler, but Coach Tech said, I'd rather, I'd rather see you in a Penn State uniform anyways, the first time on that field. So that was a little encouraging, even though we didn't win it. But when I got here, I knew I was one of the only incoming freshmen that didn't get recruited right away around eighth grade, ninth grade. The rest of my classmates did. I wasn't from a big city. My other classmates from Chicago and the other ones from around Phoenix area. So I wasn't really exposed to very great uh, competitive softball until my junior and senior year. And my senior summer, I had I came to Penn State to get ahead of the game. They recommend for all the freshmen to do so. And I'm, a lot of schools are getting back on, getting on board with this. But help, which is, I love being here. I'm still here right now. Uh, so coming in, I wasn't necessarily like, oh, yeah, this is going to be hard because I was the best in high school. It was a more I have to prove my to myself and to my teammates that I'm kind of like a diamond in the rough coming out of Bangor, Pennsylvania. Nobody knows where that is rather than uh, coming out of a big city or been playing PG, PGF softball uh, since I was eight, you know, so definitely had that motivation uh, in the back of my mind coming in right away. And definitely some of that has, some of that has come from my family because we talk about that all the time, not no one knowing like where we're from or um, just being so under the radar until my junior year. But now being able to show up and make a difference and say, I'm a hard worker and I get to be here. So I'm going to prove that I have, more than enough talent to start, even though I didn't play on a very high level team until junior year of high school. When you come into any team, but especially when you're coming from high school to college, making that leap, collegiate programs, they're going to have their own culture. So the Penn State softball team had a culture already in place. And whether it's good or bad is really indifferent to the way that an individual comes in and buys into that process and becomes a contributing member or they do the opposite and they become a cancer, end up leaving the program or quitting the sport, something along those lines. When you were coming into the program from a culture perspective, 
What was that like? Coming into Penn State softball, everyone was very, very, we have so many different personalities on the team, which every team, every, every collegiate team does. But when I was in high school, I was playing with the same girls I played with since I was little. So it's kind of like, you know, all these girls, you know what to expect. But when you come, when I came in here, it was very different in the matter of the fact that there was just so many different people around me, how I had to learn how many more names and where they're from and they're just how they are on the field versus off the field, the way that how they communicate, which we do do things to uh, help our culture. We do DISC, which is just a um, personality kind of assessment. And it's also linked with communication skills. So we sit down as a team in the fall and in the spring even, and just to like sit down and write on note cards we want to talk to somebody, we go up to the person's note card, and even if it's like a regular conversation, we can even say, like, okay, they don't like having this or doing, but they'd rather have me hear, rather have hear me say this on the field versus that. And it's definitely, Coach Tech has brought in so much um, resources to be able to provide a better culture for us because when we first, when I first walked in as a freshman, uh, we were kind of just building up. And you could tell that we did so much to help because now my junior year, it's like we're a very tight-knit group and everyone's on the same page all the time. Definitely everyone's on their mind is win, win, win. But when I came in freshman year, everyone was just kind of scatterbrained. But now that we have more of like a narrow focus tunnel vision from my freshman year to my sophomore year, definitely setting up the team for even more success this coming year. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit more about when you say building up, what were some of those things that you had to change or that you had to implement in order to get to the point where you are? Yeah, of course. One of our, like I said earlier, like we had a, um, we wanted to be better communicators on the field because there was just some, when we sometimes we weren't all on the same page my freshman year. So that being said, we were able to work with, a sports psychologist who is here and he was a I think army army ranger so he was an army ranger and his name's Dr. Olson one of the best guys I will ever meet he's amazing he sits down with us as well as the disc assessment people we were we're able to really like nitpick at our culture nitpick at our communication skills and build off of that so we this past semester this past spring we were just a better unit because we were able to talk to each other better on the field just by cues and being able to say, okay, this happened on the, on practice. Like this is getting better. What needs work? So we're always looking for what needs work, but definitely building that base of communication skills has helped us immensely. Very cool. Softball, much like baseball, it's a game of quote unquote, failure. I read in the Collegian that during your freshman season at one point, you were hitting 191, which as a baseball player myself, we know is below the Mendoza line. But at the time, you had a 395 on-base percentage, which was first on the team and included 26 walks, fourth in the Big Ten, lots of runs scored, stolen bases, great defense. Mentally, how do you keep focus to produce in other non-traditional ways like that, even though 
your batting average may have been in the tank. Like, how do you continue to contribute to your team when failure is looking at you straight in the face like that? Yeah, definitely um, hard to come off of a senior season as well as I did my high, in high school and in spring expecting so much. But I was really, really happy that I was just finding ways on base because like you said, it's very, it is a game of failure. <laughs> you step in the box and I think a 1-1 count, you have, I think like around a 30% chance of getting a hit in a 1-1 count, which is kind of crazy to think about. So definitely thinking about what I can do at my best. Well, I was thinking, well, everything will click if I focus on the other, on a few things that I'm really good at. So I kind of broke it down and thought, okay, well, I'm really good at defense. That doesn't stray away from me. I keep that very in my circle. I'm very good at that. And I'm really good at being a really good teammate. So my third thing would be, okay, hitting, obviously. Be a good teammate, defense, hitting for softball. And my hitting was lacking. But I was, uh, and I actually sat down with Dr. Olson and we talked about this. And he said, if you control those two things every single day and you know that you're going to get good results with, you invest in it every single day. You invest in your team every day. You trust them. You trust yourself. You trust your coaches. And being able to just keep a better mindset in the fact that everything will click because slumps are a thing. And <laughs> it'll it'll come out at, at one point. But I think definitely in the beginning I had a really hard time with it. Getting a little frustrated because I wanted to make a better impact in the box than I did my freshman year. But definitely sitting down with him and being able to say, all right, if you can pick three things of softball, teammate, batting, fielding, you're really good at those, uh, being a good teammate and, and fielding, just try to focus and just have tunnel vision with those and everything else will fall into place. And kind of hearing that was able to, for me to feel a little bit more relaxed and focus on my routine and focus on my breathing. And if I tried my hardest and not – necessarily change everything every time and just be like okay maybe if I try this don't be superstitious and just step in the box see ball hit ball and definitely just wiping all the other stuff away and saying well I'm doing my best and everything else so that's the mindset that I have to have but that was definitely something that what I was able to keep my head up and stay for stay in it for my teammates for sure with every attribute there's always the extreme side on both ends to how it can produce results, good or bad. For example, with coaching, if you're a coach and you're fiercely loyal, that can be a great thing for the assistant that doesn't have to worry about their job, but it can also be a bad thing because it clouds your vision if that assistant's not up to par with other assistants and you don't get rid of them and that just is a detriment to the rest of the team. One of your key attributes that I'm picking up on is focus. And you said a couple times tunnel vision being something that helps you stay focused. I'm curious from your perspective, if you ever worry about focus getting in the way of missing out on other things, like do you ever have that fear or is it really just as simple for you that you just want to put your head down, go and see where that takes you? No, for sure. I mean, I'm still a college student, so it's sometimes being inside your apartment rather than going out with your friends and st and stay going on trips with your team. Like we have, uh, we have Thon here, which is for for the kids for kids with pediatric cancer, 
I think every sport on camp on campus is here on campus for it, besides baseball and softball, because we're playing. We usually have the Big Ten ACC Challenge that weekend. But even missing out on, like, community service stuff like that, which is huge, especially here. And we do our own thing for it in the fall. We do a home run derby to raise money, but it's still missing out on that. We still miss out on, like, a spring break experience, which is, like, a, every college kid's dream to look forward to. <laughs> but it is sometimes it's hard to stay focused. And even my freshman year, I struggled a little bit with not being able to see my family as much because I'm a very family-oriented person. But them just being two and a half hours away, they drive out. Seeing me for the day was not an issue for them. They're really good about that. If I ever would need anything, they're here in a heartbeat as fast as they can legally. Um, but uh, definitely, it's like a if you're waking up on a Saturday morning to go practice. I remember my freshman year, we were waking up at 6 a.m. And we were walking in snow to go to practice because we didn't have cars as freshmen. But sometimes you're like, wow, this really stinks. Like, I could be sleeping or I could be going out with my friends right now. But in the end, I still get to wear Penn State on my chest in the spring. That was something that I had envisioned in my head since I was playing 12U. So it's kind of like you have to, when you get in those kind of mental blocks, you kind of have to snap out of it. At least I do. I'm like, oh, I need to get back to what's more important. So I'm not here. I'm not here to party. I'm not here to go out. I'm not here. I'm here to make friends, but I'm not here to sacrifice everything to go hang out with them. Everything could even be like getting a decent sleep <laughs> for the next day, taking it more importantly, like what are the little things that'll make you better? So taking the, the bigger things that are distractions out of the equation are definitely some things that I have switched around over the past year, year and a half to be able to be better, a better teammate and a better player. But um, definitely the focus is something that I think everyone, even like the greatest athletes on the world, have to snap back into because you, it is hard on your body and you do get tired, but it's all worth it in the end, especially, I mean, being here, being with my team, being with my coaches all the time. It's just like a wake-up call when you wake up and – on Tuesday, we had a really hard conditioning day, but afterwards, we were all smiling and hugging because we made it, and that was one of the probably one of the funnest memories from the summer so far. Just because it was a um, like, a, hey, like you could even be doing this and have one of the best times. That's great perspective. Thank you for sharing that. I'm curious. You mentioned that home run derby and mm-hmm. what you do for Thon, amongst other things that you might contribute to for the university, how important is it from a personal perspective and then also from a team perspective to be involved in the community, whether that's provided by the university or it's something that the softball team in particular does? Is that something that was a decision maker for you when you were coming to Penn State? And is it something that helps you connect to maybe the larger purpose of what you're doing at Penn State? Yeah, definitely. One of my favorite things that Coach Tech mentioned to me when I was getting recruited here is that we want you to leave here not only like a, as a, you want to come in as a better player, but leave as a better person. And that really hit home with me because when you graduate, like I'm not playing anymore. Like you put down, you put down the bat, you put down the glove, you put down the ball, and you walk away from playing at least, maybe not coaching. But definitely community service is something that I was really, really great, always happy and grateful to be a part of here. And like I said, it's really 
hard to walk away to go play during Thon. Even like we have an ath- we have a whole athlete hour at Thon. You go dance on the stage. That's a fun time, and it's cool to see all your friends doing it for sure. But we we were like, hey, like why can't we do th- something for us like baseball and softball? So we go on our on our field in the fall and we sell things and sell tickets to go to hit on the field, see how many home runs you can hit over Beardfield Spence here. But definitely we have the day of helping, a day of caring, which is we do go around the community in Center County, not just Penn State, and well say hi, like say hi to home uh, to nursing homes and go in and do some planting. I, we did the golf course uh, a year ago. So it's really a big part of who we are, definitely. And just always being able to like put ourselves out there for, for help and being more selfless and taking an action and saying, hey, we don't, we are not only just that person in the jersey. Like we are out off the field. We also, we do this and we care and we want to help and we want to show the community that we are so much more than student athletes. So it, we're really lucky to be able to do that every semester as much as we can. That is. Yeah, absolutely. That's great to hear. 30 second break to talk about my sponsor, Sweat with Scott. What a great sponsor she is. She's been with Pod since day one and we love having her support. Sweat with Stods offers a number of different options to get you on a path to improve your fitness future. Everything from fitness, nutrition, and simple healthy habits. So what are you waiting for? Head over to sweatwithstods.com right now, and when you buy a program, enter the code DYNAMIC at checkout to receive a discount for being a loyal podcast listener. Now back to the show. You are obviously coming into your upperclassmen years now at Penn State, your junior and senior seasons. What do you think are going to be some of the differences between the first two years and these next two years? What are you hoping to achieve as a team, achieve as an individual? Do you have some goals set out? Uh, I'll do individually first. Coming off of a really great season defensively, which, I mean, humble brag, but um, (laughs) (laughs) took center field as my own. And definitely uh, showed up and just kind of took it. And my coach this year was like, that's yours. Um, if something's wrong in the outfield, I'm going to yell at Coach Hafe, which is our outfield coach, one of our volunteers. And then I'm going to yell at Danny Faye. <laughs> and I was like, all right, give me that role. I want it so bad. And just being a junior, I know that I can take control of the outfield, be a leader on the team, and uh, more uh, just having more of a voice because – Everyone always but does, but once you, it's something about when you turn from that sophomore to junior year that I already feel more as an upperclassman, the freshman come to me for things. It definitely has more of a heavy load. You have to watch what you're doing more, watch what you're saying more. Not that I'm doing or saying anything bad, but definitely excited to have more of a leadership role now that I'm a junior and on and off the field and definitely having a better year in the box. Um, for my next two years, my hitting coach, uh, Elisa Goler, she just came with us, just got on board with us last year, and she's completely turned the program around offensively, and really amazing to be able to work with her every day, and I, I came off of my sophomore season at the end a little bit better, getting starting to click everything together, and have more hits, more home runs, more barreled up balls. And definitely uh, thinking, seeking a um, 
more offensive success this year, which she has mentioned and Coach Jack has mentioned. That's what the, what they're thinking of for me as well. So as a, from a team perspective, we definitely have not had – I have not had the freshman season – or sophomore season that we have wanted. My freshman season, we did not make the Big Ten tournament. We won nine games, and that was really hard to do. But and it was actually really hard to show up every day. But that was the ultimate test for me to see how much I did love the game. I still showed up every day, smiled in my face. I'm at softball. I don't have to worry about a thing. That everything else is blocked out. So that year was hard. But last year, we had a very a lot better record. We had a uh, big freshman class come in and make a real impact on the team. We made the Big Ten tournament, lost in the first round. So definitely this coming year, being able to make the Big Ten tournament, show them what Penn State is made of, show them how hard we work and how much kind of like a bug in the ear we're going to be. We're going to be coming back and be more of like, well, you thought you thought we were done? Like, no, we're coming back. We're going to be better. And I'm really excited for the freshman class that's coming in this year. A lot of talent. We have the 12th best recruiting class in the country. Uh, Michigan is 10. So that's really exciting to hear. And um, just culturally, like we were talking about earlier, a lot we're meshed so much well, so much better than we were. And being able to have that communication off the, off and on the field immediately has definitely already happened. And making relationships with the newbies, and just being able to have leadership, too. Because last year we had two really good leaders, Maddie Schaefer and Tony Polk, that were able to open up the eyes to some of us and say, hey, once we leave, like, you've got to take – got. it's kind of like a relay, passing on the baton to you guys. So definitely being able to sit down with them and say, all right, like, this is the year or the next years. But when I was recruited, we were – my coach said, hey, like, you're going to get a championship in one of these years that you're here, junior or senior. It's more looking like junior and senior. So that has also made me really excited for these next two years. Yeah, high expectations to have. And again, I think all of that is really good perspective. Like you said, naturally, as you get older and as you've been in a program for multiple years, I think it, it's just a natural progression of things where, like you said, the freshmen are coming in. They're asking you how things are done now, whereas that was flipped two years ago and you were asking the juniors and seniors how things are done. I'd love to learn a little bit more, though, about what leadership looks like for you. Like, what does that actually entail? What's the type of leader that you want to be, even if you don't necessarily have that captain associated with your name? Yeah, for sure. When I came in as a freshman, uh, I de- we all put in what we wanted to make our, what we wanted to be a leader in, be in charge of, we said. So even if it was a small scene of cleaning up the locker room or making sure the locker room was clean or the hallways looked nice or the cages were clean, to pushing everyone in workouts, to making sure that everyone is okay mentally or something like that, and making sure people are getting in the training room. But from day one, I came in and I was trying to push my hardest in workouts, workouts, conditioning, and lift, and that's what I made my my thing that I want to be in charge of. I wanted to push everyone else. I wanted to be to trying to be racing in front of the person and be able to push all my other teammates to try to beat me. But definitely coming in and being one of like the fitter, faster ones, it was really 
a good fit for me because it wasn't necessarily I had to say anything as a freshman and sophomore, but a freshman and sophomore year, but I was able to just show them like, Hey, I'm here to show up every single day. I try my hardest every single day. I have a good attitude every single day, but uh, definitely more last year I showed it, was able to show it on the field. So took center was more of a leader in center vocally and in the dugout vocally would run through a fence to catch a ball. Mostly climbing walls, diving all over the place and in, workouts running running myself through the ground trying to lift as like as uh, safely and doing it right as much as I can and being just trying to re- radiate that positive show up every day kind of work ethic for my teammates it is sometimes you just show up and you don't it's just hard but if you look over and you see one of your teammates pushing themselves every single day and you say hey like just keep up with them like you're going to be fine and just did through this and we're going to be and right after this like we're going to go get dinner you know like so sometimes like a teammate needs to see that and sometimes I'm the I'm that teammate but that was my job to every day show up and be able to show everyone what we need to be like what we need how we need to try every single day and just try to push ourselves to be one percent better and definitely that's what something I need to and want to push into my my uh, two upperclassmen years coming up but Definitely have more of a voice vocally, which has definitely been a um, has come up this summer, and I'm really excited to be able to uh, work with the coaching staff and everything to be able to put my opinion into what maybe needs to be changed or what we're really good at or just who or, or anything that we need to uh, work on. But definitely showing them or everybody and trying to keep up with each other and trying to show that work ethic is definitely one of my favorite things to be a leader of. Excellent. Definitely the definition of lead by example. I think that's what you just described to us. (laughs) I want to ask you as someone who got recruited at the division one level, and obviously you talked about your recruiting process and everybody's process is a little bit different, but I'd love to get advice from you. Say there's a softball player in high school that is either going through that process right now or wants to go through that process sometime in the near future. Can you offer them some pieces of advice that will help them get to that next level? Yeah, definitely. Definitely always be the kid that is upbeat and happy. No one wants a kid on their team that's going to be a Debbie Downer. Even like sometimes the kid is a really good ball player, really good hitter, really good fielder, but it all comes down to their personality. And it, like what you were saying earlier with the culture – uh, they could just be a culture killer, and nobody wants that, especially if you – a college, every college team spends so much time building it up to be able to be as successful as they can on and off the field. But um, definitely showing up every single day, trying your hardest, being able to have a conversation with a coach because that is when the time comes uh, for NCAA rules and all that stuff. But being able to talk and not be scared, don't be – nervous just be able to talk tell them who you are show them that you are more than qualified to be on their team even if a little part of you doesn't believe that make them believe that you believe that just be confident in the fact that you think that you are more than enough and more of an asset that going to be an asset for their team and also just like the little things like even if there's a ball in the foul territory you don't think say you're playing outfield you don't think you're gonna get 
dive for it if there's no fence, but uh, dive for it and dive head first. And that was one of the things that one of my coaches caught caught their eye with. I dove in on in foul territory and I didn't get the ball, but I almost slid up against the fence. And they said, "Hey, like that kid will run through a fence to try to get a ball. Let's keep watching her." So even a small small thirty second play like that, not even, will be able to catch eyes and just being hustling on and off the field. Don't let your parents or your brother or your sister carry your bag to the car. That's like a, that's such a small thing, but also so big. Like you don't want to seem that like you're dependent on others. You want to say, Hey, I can be independent. I'm confident in the player that I am. And I'm going to go hard out. Even if the play is not even in reach. That's really cool. And I think it's unique especially in today's world that is so much different even than it was 15 years ago, 12, 15 years ago when I was playing, some of that stuff was starting to go on where it was more about the image than it was about playing hard. And playing hard is what gets you noticed. Doing things like you, I always give the example of Carla Overbeck, the United States women's soccer captain from the 1999 World Cup championship team. And she was a water carrier for that team. And the reason that she was a water carrier is because she used to literally carry the bags of the equipment for for the team off the plane, off the taxi, whatever they were, so that the star players, because by that point in her career, she was a little bit older. She wasn't needed as much on the field for her play. It was just more of a lead by example type thing. And she would do that for her team. And you can't even get kids now to take their own bag that may only have their cleats and helmet and a bat in it. It's not like it's this <laughs> heavy catcher's equipment bag or something like that. So I think that's awesome that you have that mindset in. Actually, really segues us nicely into, I know you and I, the way we got connected was through a tweet that Lauren Chamberlain, great softball player, Oklahoma, had put on Twitter a what about a month ago, two months ago when we first connected and some of the things that you had just mentioned about being independent and being confident, I know is something that you're really passionate about. Can you tell us a little bit more about all of that? Yeah, definitely. As a um, female athlete, I mean, every female athlete definitely thinks that they have a um, kind of like you're on a stage a little bit almost every time, because if you act a certain way, like look at the women's soccer team, like everyone's uh, busting Megan Repo for the way that she's acting or even dancing on the stage after she just won a world cup. Uh, I saw a tweet and it was like, I think this is the only, this is would be the only time that anyone would ever say that or bash a United States uh, team after winning a championship. But just because she was a female, they were like, Oh, she shouldn't be acting that way. She shouldn't have like uh, been so cocky. But if you turn around the next the next team or the past men's team that won a championship, that's exactly what they're doing. They're boasting. They're just kind of bragging, which we should be able to do too. And with the Lauren Chamberlain uh, tweet that I retweeted and it blew up, which was kind of impressive and kind of cool because I was able to connect with a few people, be able to talk about it, including you. That was more of a, everybody doesn't need to be super fit to be able, or every female body doesn't need to be this fit little like in a school, perfect body to be able to be a really good softball player or even a really good track, uh, track star or whatever your sport is. You don't need or even just not playing the sport. 
And the body image with females or even female athletes is really an issue in my opinion because if you're too big, oh, you're you're not that's not an athlete. Like she's not she's not muscular. Well, Lauren Chamberlain literally holds the world the, the record for home runs, but that's fine. But or uh, if you're too muscular, oh, she doesn't even look like a female. Like she she probably lifts this much weight. That's not that's not what females should be doing. But definitely being able to have a kind of like a step up and being here and being able to say like, hey, we can change this around and we can, if we all come together and just start talking about it and making it, putting it in the conversation that female athletes and females all around the world are more than enough to be able to be competing in these high level competitions and being able to compete against the boys or compete with the boys and even, I think that starts like at a super young age because that just there's so many times that we were separated in elementary school and boys over here, girls over here, but that doesn't mean a thing. And definitely for it comes from like the younger generation that we just need to keep talking about it and keep putting it in the news, especially with it's a perfect time to talk about it because of the uh, the women's national team winning that the world cup, but definitely something I'm super passionate about and always have been because I think every female athlete kind of experiences something that, like that along, along their way of becoming, trying to becoming the best athlete that they can be just trying to overpower, overcome that and be able to uh, say, well, I am a female athlete and you have an issue about it. Watch me do this. So kind of just us just putting our heads down and keeping working and showing what we're doing not necessarily saying it's a pretty cool um, stage to be on. I'm really grateful to be able to, after games, little girls come up to me and say, Hey, like you're my favorite player. Like you're my favorite softball player. And you play on Penn state. You're not in the SEC team. You're not playing on the national team. It's just the little things all over that we need to start talking about and being able to be, to respect more of the female athletes because they do, they work, they wake up early. We wake up early just as much as the men's teams do. And we lift and work hard and run, and we practice just as much as the men's teams do. So that doesn't put us in any separate bracket just because we're a different gender. That's really powerful, especially talking about the little girls coming up to you at the end of the game. And you hear about people in the past where there wasn't as much recognition or wasn't as much of females playing sports even back in you know generations prior to us and it's awesome to hear that you know little girls looking up to you now and that that little girl is going to grow up one day and have someone else looking up to her that's a girl as well and you just didn't have that as much especially in sports and generations in the past but across pretty much the entire field here in America at least but how do you think you know using Penn State as a platform now is obviously a really great way to just have that exposure and to talk about those type of things. But when you're done with school, what are some of the things that maybe you're thinking about doing to continue to fight for this and, you know, just be able to continue to be an advocate because it is something that's so you're passionate about and that you want to be able to continue to give back for. Uh, definitely. Some, sometimes something that always comes up in my head after thinking about after school is um, helping with younger teams or coaching a younger team. My sister is a uh, freshman in high school now, and which blows my mind. But um, <laughs> I've helped her team a, a couple of times across 
my career or even when I was in high school, I would help her teams. And just being able to give, the, even if it's like an hour at the practice, I can and I can give them a few words of advice or a few skills and a few ways to play or a few notes to take away from something. And that just is always so rewarding when I go home. So definitely something after school, being able to stay in the game, because I know I'm not going to be able to give it up that easily, <laughs> being able to stay in, game, in the game and be able to make a difference at a younger level. Like I said, it's always from a younger level, but definitely being able to coach or just uh, give lessons even to individually. But would definitely love to keep in it that way. Let's talk about analytics. Offline, we've talked before about you're doing an internship with the State College Spikes right now, learning so much about analytics, how it impacts their organization, but also how you're now translating that into your own experience on the softball field. What does the analytics revolution look like? How Can you explain it to us for people that may not be familiar with the concept? Yeah, of course. Definitely working with the spikes this summer. We have two uh, analytic programs that sit on our desk during the games. One's called Dax Stats, and that's more for spray charts, plays, stuff like that. So that's not necessarily anything that affects me as a player because I usually think about um, the other one, which is called TrackMan. And it's used for a lot of professional baseball uh, teams, and the, sp- the spikes are uh, the St. Saint- Louis organization. Trackman is just for pitching and when the ball comes off the bat. So you will be able to see if a pitch, how many rotations a pitch has and how much it moves. And if it's like a, a chance in like four feet from the way the, from the time the pitcher has moved, got released the ball from the time it hits the glove, it has moved more than four feet or four feet is a very good number. So I've learned that. And my boss is very good at explaining in the beginning what is a good number, what is not, and how many rotations or how it's rotating, how it's dropping or curving or sliding down. But also we have gotten this uh, in our, our softball cages. It's called um, Hit Tracks. And Hit Tracks is able is a com- also a computer. So, yeah, this revolution is growing. And we are one of four Yes, one of four Division One softball programs in the country that have this, and two of them share it with their baseball team. We do not. But so we're really, really lucky to have this, and definitely has made an impact on the way we hit and how we understand hitting more. So, yeah, hit tracks can videotape your swing. You can play it back in slow motion. You can draw on it and say, like, oh, my hands are dropping here to here rather than just – coming through the zone or my bat barrel is not dropping to get into the zone or and it also says uh like i something i look for a lot is um exit velocity shows you distance and it also shows you launch angle so something that our hitting coach coach goler has hit us like hey if it's in this this launch angle that's a good hit if it's not in this launch angle if it's more it's like a bad launch angle it'd be like 33 like that's really bad that's probably a pop-up but Definitely being able to see the numbers, even though I'm not a very, I'm not a number person. I've never been, but it definitely has been able from to for me to understand more of the game and being able to just know what my body is doing more by seeing how uh, the ball is moving. And I'm sure if pitchers were to go 
back and look at TrackMan, it is able to show that, well, that's why they keep it. It's able to show them what they're doing and why their ball isn't moving a certain way or how well it is moving a certain way. Like, okay, well, we'll use that pitch more. But definitely being able to work through the spikes this summer and after getting hit tracks this past season, it's definitely been a game changer, I think, for all my teammates and really lucky to be with the spikes this summer to be able to take that away from from the baseball side of things. Yeah, that's all really interesting. And even more interesting to me is the fact that you said you don't really enjoy numbers per se. And maybe there was some hesitation on your part to buy into this type of concept in the beginning. And now you're starting to see some of the results, even if they're more at the spikes level versus what you're doing, but you're starting to implement those into the program at the university as well. Really cool how the whole game has just changed and sports in general are all becoming more analytical. Do you ever wonder though, if it's going to be too much like information overload that we're going to totally lose sight of the human side of sports and just rely on robots and not anything on instincts. Whereas in the past it was all instincts and no numbers. I mean, there, I think there should be that happy medium obviously, but do you worry that we're, going to trend towards the extreme with the numbers at any point? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. The happy medium is definitely a place to be for this kind of stuff. But I think that if it gets too much technology in the game, that kind of takes away the fact that it's old school. You go to a, you go to a baseball game to get away from all that stuff. You don't want that to be thrown in your face, in my opinion. But the other day I was on the Spikes broadcast for an inning, was able to do that for, for them, and someone called the track man the robot umpire. And I said, it's not a robot umpire. It's just It simply just tracks how well or how bad the pitches are being thrown. So the pitcher can go back, or if the ball, if the umpire, the real umpire, said something, if it was a tricky call, you can go back and look for the broadcast or for the write-up. And definitely when, when someone said that, it's funny that you said, asked me this question because I was really, I sat back and I was like, huh, well, if people think that robots are going to be umpires one day, they're dead wrong. At least I hope so, because that just takes away from the excitement and the, the whole, like, yeah, you said, like taking away from like the human factor of things. And I know that when we watch film before games and we go through and say, okay, well, this hitter has a, with a runner on second, she has a 50% chance of getting a single. I was like, I'm not going to remember that when she comes up. If she hits a single, she hits a single. <laughs> but uh, just some things like that, that there is really hard for me to kind of get on board with, especially with um, pitchers, because if I think about too, if I think too much about what the pitcher is going to throw because of the count or what the odds are against me or against her, I uh, definitely can't focus as well in the box as I usually can. So I try to stay off of that side of things because some people on our team are engineers and they're like, we want all the numbers. We want this and this. And what are the odds? And what are the percentages? And how can I do better with this kind of a situation? But that's not me. I'd rather just play old school. If, even if I didn't have to watch film all the time, I wouldn't, honestly. I'm more of a feel kind of person, especially when it comes to me playing my sport. So I definitely would be okay without it. But 
I do think it's really cool and helpful. Uh, and obviously it helps me a lot to be able to have it in the game now. Yeah, absolutely. You seem to see it as a guiding factor versus maybe a full-blown philosophy, which, I mean, everyone's got their own opinions on it and some teams are taking it to the extreme already. And I guess we'll look back 10 years from now and see the results of those teams and how they were put together and assembled and the results that came of it. But it is hard for me as well. I mean, even less data when I played was available, but even knowing what it's like and watching professional sports teams, it's really hard for me to believe that the human factor can't be something that needs to be considered in any situation. So I think at one point a balance will strike. Maybe it'll take that bubble bursting, but hopefully not. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about a couple other things here before I let you go. Just a couple things left. One of those is to talk about one of the seven pillars of dynamic leadership. And just because of the way our conversation has gone today and some of the things that we've talked about, I would love to hear a little bit more about motivation. It's a pillar that you had identified that you strongly believe in and agree with. Tell us why that is one of the pillars of your foundation. Yeah, being motivated since day one has always been kind of a blessing in disguise because I'm always hungry for more. It's kind of just my personality. Even in school, I'm I'll be like, okay, that's not enough, even if it's like kind of a decent grade. Definitely from ever since I was little, I've always been like that. And that's how just how my family uh, and how my parents raised me. So really lucky to be able to be raised like that. And no, being motivated is definitely something that I take to heart because even if you're one of the best players on the team and if you have all this talent coming in and if you don't have the attitude and the drive and the motivation to match it, you aren't, and to me, necessarily a uh, good fit for a, a team, especially a softball team, because we're all always together and play so had to play so connected as a team on the field and in our batting lineup. But definitely being able to have that motivation to be a better softball player, be be a better person, be a better uh, community. Uh, figure and just a better student as well and always trying to stay hungry and being able to fight for more it it is sometimes challenging but a challenge is always a good way to test that motivation and test what who you really are and what kind of athlete you really are so definitely I'm being a collegiate athlete test that all the time all right the show is called dynamic leaders have so many people throughout our lives that influence us in one way or another from a leadership standpoint. Is there one person you want to give a shout out to on today's show that has really influenced you? Yeah, um, definitely from, I mean, I mentioned her so much in this pod, in this podcast, but she deserves it. So my mom from since day one has been, we, I, we joke and we call her my manager because ever since day one, she always had me at practice on time, my games and, okay, do you think this glove is better or this glove or what coaches do you want to talk to this weekend? And even if when I didn't have necessarily the resources, she was always my person to be able, my softball person to be able to go to. And she was never, we call it, they call them like crazy softball dads or moms. She was never like that. She was always like, Hey, if you want to stop, stop. Like mm-hmm. if you don't love it anymore, then you, 
then you don't love it anymore. But she was definitely one that made me fall in love with the game and always so thankful to have her and the rest of my family in the stands here at Penn State. They'll drive out for midweek games. And just in everyday life, she fights so much, so hard for us and provides for us every single day. Along with my my dad, he shows such really good uh, characteristics in being a leader for us, both of them, my brother, for my brothers, my sister and I, to be able to show really what, how a good working blue collar person is. And it doesn't matter if you are working at a McDonald's or you're playing division one sport or you're a CEO, like you had to show up with that mindset to be better for your people that you love, for yourself, for your future, and just show up every single day and be able to be better for all of them. And definitely my parents are those people, but my mom is definitely the one that made me fall in love with the game and pushed me uh, different levels of the game that I will never be able to repay her back for because she really like had put me in the right mindset to be able to be here. What a great shout out and an awesome way to end this conversation. Danny, if there's someone that wants to touch base with you, they enjoyed the conversation or they want to learn a little bit more about the program. Maybe is there a good way for them to connect either with you as an individual or follow along the team that you can guide them to? Yeah, of course. Penn State Softball has all the social media. Follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. Both are Danny Fay 6 or, or Danny Fay underscore 6. So I'll probably come right up or you can even follow Penn State Softball and find me somewhere in the mix because all us, all us uh, girls get added from Penn State or in pictures and stuff like that. So that comes down to it. Uh, I would love to talk to anyone. Uh, I talk a lot, obviously, but um, <laughs> just to have a quick chat or even talk about the program and or even what Penn State is like. I would be really happy to do that. Very cool. Thank you for providing that. And I'll put that all in the show notes for quick reference. And Danny, before we let you go, is there any last piece of advice or anything you want to leave us with before you get out of here? Never think that your past or where you come from is something that is going to hold you back and being able to just try your hardest and make a difference either, either where you are or in your family and be a first gen or be a first time uh, athlete in your family to go to college and nothing, even if you put your mind to it and you work hard and you really invest in whatever you, in your goals, they're going to happen because life pays you back after all that hard work. That's definitely something that I've taken away from all my years and has put me in a right spot for the future. So cool. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing everything. Again, know how busy you are being a student athlete and contributing all that you are to the softball program and to the university at Penn State. So can't thank you enough for taking time today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I know I certainly did and definitely going to be excited to get this out to folks here. Thank you so much. I really had a great time and We'll always, always be grateful for this opportunity. Thank you again to Danny for joining the podcast today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I know there are so many things to take away from it. I hope you were taking notes. If not, please refer back to the episode. Listen to it as many times as you want and tell a friend if you're so inclined. I want to thank my sponsor, Sweat With Stods. Go to www.sweatwithstods.com today 
to figure out what she can do tomorrow for your fitness future. If you have time now that the episode is over, hop on to Apple Podcast, give the show a five-star rating and review. And if you have questions for the upcoming mailbag episode, that's going to be at the end of September, feel free to shoot them over to colin at talent409.com. We are back next week with a solo episode leading us into the Labor Day weekend. 